This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Braintree, code for easy online payments. To learn more right now, please visit braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. And by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. No credit card required. Enter the offer code supertrain at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Marilyn. How's it going? Good. I'm sorry I'm late. That's okay. I, I keep forgetting when the winter time that I have to warm up my truck for an hour and a half. How cold is it there? Oh, right now it's not that cold. It's, you know, it's in the it's in the cold range, but it's not like cold, cold. But the truck doesn't know that. The truck doesn't think for itself. That's not really that useful. I'm going to go look this up. <laughs> um, for, it's 40, it's 40. Forty-ish, forty-two. Let's say. Well, I'm just gonna check the internet. Okay, let's see what the internet says. Um, say forty-two. Well, first of all, when you go to this website and you search for weather in Seattle, Washington, mm. it gives you the address of four ninety James Street. I don't know where that is. Mm, four ninety James. I probably revealed too much already. Uh, it's, they it's say it's downtown. It's thirty-seven. Oh, over, and overcast, and it feels like thirty-seven. <laughs> so, so I'm uh, my calibration is five degrees off. And I, I'm going to have to, I'm just going to have to chalk that up to feeling like, uh, to being an optimist. Oh, I love that about you. Right? You're always it's looking like, on the bright side. It's like, uh, it's 40, no, it's 42. It's not 37. Yeah. Still, 37 is like, pretty cold. Yeah, it's cold. You're going to have a scattered, uh, scattered light rain until mm-hmm. about three o'clock and then it will be cloudy. I think that's consistent with yeah. the, my experience. Uh, does it say anything about uh, like road ragey, fat, middle-aged guys in F two fifties? Yeah, uh, uh-huh. it says here you can look for that to start a little bit before four. Mm. Uh, it will uh, reach its its peak uh, at about uh, five thirty five, mm-hmm. and uh, there'll probably be some injuries by seven. Yeah, I got a little glimpse of it this morning, but uh, but no, no, I just turned my windshield wipers on and away it went. Mm-hmm. You still listen to that <laughs> Elias Smith song? Uh, no. you have, you're, what are you what are you driving now to uh to get to where you go if i could ask well you know i've got my i've got my 1979 gmc suburban which mm-hmm. uh which uh, you know i'm doubling down on on the vintage gmc sure sure welcome uh, to the family thank you but the gmc only has an am radio and so uh, if i want to and it only has one speaker and it's in the middle of the dash yeah and the one speaker was, I think, designed to communicate only in beeps in World War II. It was, it was the speaker I bet that your Bible they, stuff still sounds pretty good. <laughs> the Bible stuff's good. There is a great station in Seattle called KIXI that always used to play big band music. But as the big band generation has died, now the old people are that strange, strange generation born in the 30s. Uh, which nobody cares about. They don't have a name. They're the lost generation. Oh, that's a shame. It's terrible. They're pre-baby boomers, but they're post-greatest generation, and they, I swear to you, Merlin, had the worst music of any people ever. Let's see. Yeah, you know, they're sort of like an early version of our generation, Hmm. the Mm -hmm. in-betweeners generation. If you're born in the 30s, you're going to be, you know what you're going to be? You're going to be the people who screamed at Frank Sinatra is what you're going to be. That's exactly right. Vaughn Monroe... But Frank Sinatra's early stuff, you know. No, no, the, no. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, like uh, Sinatra 1.0, right? Teeny Bopper Sinatra. Yeah, Teeny Bopper. People forget about. You know, I think a lot of people don't really know about Frank Sinatra. Mm, I think you're right. Well, I mean, I think there's two, at least two, maybe three interesting things a lot of people don't know about Frank Sinatra. The first of all, they don't realize that he was 
mm, maybe Rudy Valley before him, but he mm-hmm. was one of the original giant inter- like national teen heartthrobs. Mm-hmm. Pop star, he, big pop star. That's right. And and that, but basically, you know, as we know from The Godfather, that he was working for, I always say Tommy Shaw when I mean to say Tommy Dorsey. <laughs> it would be kind of great if Tommy Shaw had a big band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it would. And if Frank Sinatra was the singer. <laughs> oh, mama, I'm here with life from long arm of the law. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and so he was under contract to them. He was basically, he was just another guy working for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and then, uh, the Don got him out of the contract. Mm-hmm. The Don. Was it, was it Mr. Waltz? Uh, put the, put the, put the horse, horse head in Mr. Waltz's, uh, bed. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness. What a wonderful scene. Frank Sinatra. And then I had a, I had a funny CD of his in the eighties, excuse me, in the, yeah, the late eighties, which was, you know, Oh, Mr. Mr. Waltz. <laughs> you, had a, you had a CD of his in the 80s? <laughs> she was the best piece of ass I ever had. Uh, she, uh, yeah, got on the heroin. Yeah. So that, that's a shame what happened uh, to that girl. Was, yeah, he ruined her. <laughs> Listen, Frank Sinatra, he fucked my wife on the um, bar, on the bar. He had several interesting things happen. One of them was that, like, at one point, you know, there was a big strike. The musicians went on strike in the 40s. Do you know about this? Oh, yeah. The big musician strike of the 1940s. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> God damn it. The musicians went on strike, and so they were debating, like, what are we going to do? We cannot record. And so there's this, I don't know if it was Columbia, there's this really weird series of songs he did that's just him. With Unrecorded. A, <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a hat in a room for three hours. One take. One and done. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, and so he had, a, had recordings of him with uh, basically just acapella background singing. Anyway, it's not super interesting. And then, and then what people don't realize is he was a wash-up. He was, and so that's that. Again, it always comes back. All roads lead back to the Godfather because because mm. the story apparently uh, was true that like if he would he needed that role, yeah, he needed a, he needed a second coming. Arm. Well, before that though, it was uh, from here to eternity. Oh, I think that's the movie they're referencing as a Romana Clay in uh, in the Godfather. Right. And so, uh, but it was true. Like his his career was on the skids, and he was what he was maybe in his thirties, and then he went to jail. For they arrested him. You for, are so excited to tell the story of Frank Sinatra. He's I'm an very, American icon. He's a I'm horrible human being. This. And and according to something I heard on public radio, he's the reason his family, his estate, is the reason why we get all this. Uh, why, why there's more careful control of the IP on dead people? Did you know about that? Used to be you could put you could put you anybody's are blowing name. my mind here with the tendrils of the Frank Sinatra story. Tina Sinatra, since his death circa 1990, has run his empire. And basically, what they were running into was that Frank Sinatra was was like being put on everything. They said this has to stop. Long story right. short, you can go listen to Planet Money on this. It's a very good program. And uh, they basically uh, came up with this new new kind of law that said that you know that and that's why the Elvis family, you know, the Elvis family puts his uh, puts his face on everything now. But that's uh, their yeah. money. They control that. Sure, sure, sure. Whereas the James Dean family. And the Marilyn Monroe family, uh, you know, they yeah. they end up on on like cocaine mirrors all across America, and all those James uh, Dean in a red jacket pointing, <laughs> all those all those pictures that I see, I, I I'm astonished that that they, these have such a such a, a a tremendous life and a varied life, but those pictures of like Marilyn Monroe, James Dean, Bob Marley, John Lennon, and Roy Orbison or something all playing pool. 
you know, or it's oh, it's like it's like dogs playing po- poker. Yeah, yeah, called the Legends or something. Oh, sure. You know, if if there's band got heaven, it must be a hell of a band. That yep. that kind of thing. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix is in there sometimes. You know, it's That's like so I, weird to me when people do that. Yeah, and you see them. You see these like it's not really a poster. I'm used to seeing it as an illuminated mirror in a certain kind. It's more of, like a kind of painting in style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a painting, right? It's like um, it's like if somebody. I think what happened is somebody noticed that the traveling Wilburys had happened and they were like, what if, what if we had the ultimate traveling Wilburys? It's like musical fanfic. Musical fanfic. That's exactly right. But oh, I mean, that, weird. that band would sound awful Terrible. primarily because uh, what, what would James Dean do? Play the drums? <laughs> I think bongos. <laughs> What's he I even there for? He would be in the Davy Jones part. He would be oh, the one with right. maybe like, like six maracas or five tambourines. Remember Davy Jones always had way too many percussion instruments? There were a lot of tambourines. Well, and, and the thing is, I always wanted him to wear a Ricky Ricardo shirt. Oh, man. Ricky Ricardo was a talented guy. I, I, you know, I miss all these heroes. The thing about the 1930s I would, I would watch a band with Ricky Ricardo and James Dean and, uh, and maybe uh, and Roy Monroe. Orbison. Roy Orbison. Marilyn Monroe would be playing drums. <laughs> They'd look like the honeycombs. It would be totally cool. <laughs> Frank Sinatra was the right right back. He was the most. He was the. He's the only one of those guys we remember. But there were which one? There were dozens of crooners. Oh sure, oh we got the crooners, and they were making music. They were making this treacly, terrible music. Oh, you got Chuck Hatman. You got uh, Michael Michael microphone. You got Bobby. Soxford. Oh, yeah, yeah got, Bobby. Bobby Sox. Bobby Soxford. They called him Bobby Sox for short. I love that. He always guy. said everything well, two times. He had to change it Bobby to Bobby Sox because right. he, you know, because of racism. He had to change it to Bobby Sox UK. But uh but so that is the music that I can hear in my truck. So as per usual, I generally leave the radio off when I'm traveling in the truck. Yeah, you know, that's to me, that's a little bit like reggae. I can take a little bit of that. I can take mm-hmm. a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are some kinds of things. There's a show I like a lot on, uh, on public radio called uh, Fascinating Rhythm. And mm. it's this guy who goes in and does like, it's basically music of the early to mid 20th century. And he does something thematic. And he'll play stuff like, you know, uh, Bill Murray, the original Bill Murray, like the old Irish crooner. He'll play these old songs from like, like, uh, like Cylinders and 78s and stuff like that. I enjoy that. I, en- I enjoy that. But like, like reggae, a little bit goes a long way for me. Sure. William... William Murray was my father. I'm Bill Murray. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Murray. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Cinderella right. story. And Tears in his eyes, I guess. That was what was so amazing about Nelson Riddle, right? We, we think of Nelson Riddle as being kind of corny now, but at the time, those Nelson Riddle arrangements were like sweeping the slate clean of all these dumb violin or this like lame-ass uh, soft music. Yeah, I well, like you said, Triackley. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a scholar of this era, but um, so right now we got on there. Let's fall in love by Dan- Diana Krall is playing on KIXI right now. Mm-hmm. Just you know, fifty at fifty for your afternoon drive is coming up. You'll have well, that later. So, so what's crazy is that uh, that John Tesh has become a major, major figure in the. He he has a radio program. It's it's the very first banner on the page. It's it's him superimposed very poorly in Photoshop over the city of Seattle, looking like he's sleeping it off a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's one of those syndicated programs where he comes on and he's he's a friendly guy. He's got a voice that's that makes you trust him right away. Sure. And he's like, Hey, these are the you know, these are the sweet sounds of your of our youth or something. This is the the what is it, sound of our lives. Yeah. Kind of and, thing. yeah. and how the hell is uh, uh, John Tesh is like 50, right? I mean, he's not a member of this lost generation. Yeah. But he's really selling them. He's really he's selling big, them. He's 63. He's from Garden City, New York. Hmm. 
He's married, he, he was married to Connie Selica. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I was a little bit late uh, getting in here, and it seems like you've had an extra cup of coffee or something because you are you are checking the internet oh, with geez. some alacrity. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fantastic. It's one of the four ninety four ninety James Street is the Metropolitan Management Company. Just so you know. Where? Yeah, that's what, that's when you ask for weather in Seattle, they tell you about the uh, Metropolitan Managed Company. Oh, they got one star on Yelp. Just so you know. Well, I, I feel like I feel like what you what you expect is that they are going to give you the the temperature at the airport. That's what they usually do. Oh yeah. Uh, but 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 four ninety James. I wonder how much they paid to be the weather source. Oh, you think that's a that's a placement? Yeah, I feel like that's sort of like Costco Field or something. Hmm. Okay, I searched for SEA. And it gives me search uh, engine optimization. (laughs) (laughs) Where the fuck is my bell? Who moves my bell? Where did my bell Uh, go? I don't know. Where's my bell? Holy shit! My bell's missing. Somebody steal my bell? Oh oh, wait! Oh, it's hiding back here. Wait a minute. All right, mine's not hiding. Mine is full on missing. Uh, Search engine optimization. Yeah. At the Seattle Airport at seventeen seven ninety three International Boulevard, it is thirty six degrees, but it feels like thirty three. Oh wow! Well, that's probably that accounts or that is accounted for by the by the wind that they get up there. They are uh, they're getting a little bit of light rain in ten minutes. That'll end in about fifty minutes. Did you know that a fighter plane taking off from the deck of an aircraft is this carrier, a word problem, John? <laughs> okay, a fighter plane takes off from an aircraft carrier got it, okay. at thirty knots. Okay, got it. And a train leaves Minneapolis headed so, the other way, knots, and right. it's going it's going eleven knots. I'm gonna have to do knots to miles, aren't I? At what at what point? Does the fighter plane overfly the uh, the railroad train if you have no idea where the fighter plane is? 5.30 p.m. at 490 James Street. Wow. Yep. You have some math skills. That's that, Common uh, Core. I learned the Common Core system. But I feel like that was an imaginary number. Oh. Yeah. Solve for X. Uh, so we got music. We got Frank Sinatra. We oh, got but what I was bands. saying is that, that, uh, that what I didn't realize is that a fighter plane needs to, be, uh, needs to have a 30-knot headwind in order to successfully take off from an aircraft carrier, but not coincidentally, 30 knots is the speed that an aircraft carrier can can reach when it's really gunning. Oh, see, those engineers are smart. See, isn't that nice? 30 knots. So they just, even if there's no wind at all, they can get 30 knot headwind by by kicking it into high gear. See, I don't understand this. 30 knots is 34.5234 miles per hour. Why do you need, why do you need a different thing? It's so close. It's so close. It is close. Well, it a is knot. Close. Now, a knot is based on, they used to put actual knots in ropes, and that's how they would uh, measure how far apart it was. Yeah. It was, they, as, it was like as long as two knots on the king's rope. They'd spin it out the back of the ship, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, whoa, we're traveling, you know, 11 knots. How many fathoms in a knot? Oof. These are, these are things I, yeah, there's, there's a very small part of me that feels like I should have this information, but a much larger part that is glad that I don't. Okay. Glad that I don't have this clogging up my brain pipes. And, that, and you know how many knots are in a league? <laughs> a league well, a fathom, of, a fathom is six feet. Now, a story is 10 feet? I would call, when, when I say, like, it's 100 feet, I think of that as being 10 stories. Yeah, I think it's about 10 feet. Yeah, that's 10 feet, 10 stories. Okay, all right. Feet is feet to stories. So if it's like 800 feet, that's like an 80-story building. What? That's crazy. There are hardly any 80-story buildings. There's probably some kind of uh, spooky action at a distance thing. Like when it gets further up, it uh, compresses, like a forced perspective. I wonder about that. Yeah, I don't know. 
Do you think that uh, do you think hmm. that uh, that skyscraper builders are still using Greek like uh, perspective in their constructions? Greek pers- Greek perspective. Greek perspective. <laughs> that sounds like a show on C-SPAN that not many people watch. Greek perspective would be a great show. I'm actually thinking about starting a show, a new show, mm-hmm. to to really flesh out my my nascent empire of podcasts. Oh, that's a great idea. A new show. Okay. A new show that talks about the Greek perspective. The, <laughs> so you can we'll, go a lot of directions with that. We'll have guests. Mm-hmm. You could have Spanakopita. And all we, all we, the, the only thing that needs to tie the episodes together is what's the Greek perspective? It's just, <laughs> it just has to be something Greek about it. Somebody talks about something. Mm-hmm. Somebody talks about, you know, whatever it is, uh, pressing suits or, or repointing a brick facade. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what's the Greek perspective on this? Right, because they've been around for a pretty long time. They've had a lot of time to look mm. at things, so they would have a perspective on a lot of things. We could look at the old Greek perspective. We could look at the new Greek perspective. Like a classical Greek, a modern Greek, contemporary Greek. Mm-hmm. Sort of that middle period Greek. This is going to be huge. Now, you can do that show with Dan, or you can do that with some, you can do that on your own, you think? I feel like, you know, I've got a podcast with you that I'm very happy with. I've Thank got you. a podcast with Dan I'm, I'm also happy with, and now I feel like that we need some new blood in here. This would be a chance to, to bring in uh, some John of your... Circusa. Uh, John Circusa. John Circusa could be on the Greek perspective. Well, I wonder, you know, Circusa, right? Well, That's he's he's Italian, which is almost Greek. Yeah. I mean... I Cir- think Italian is kind of between Jewish and Greek. It's a little bit in between. That's interesting. Between Jewish and Greek. Mm-hmm. Sort of Italian. That would be another good show. You could have a whole <laughs> empire here. You could be like you could be like Jesse Thorne. You just need to get that creepy beard. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I had a show called Between Jewish and Greek... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's so if, if I listen. If I were going to have a threesome, that's where I'd want to be. Oh dear! Uh, oh my goodness! I know uh, you don't like talking about sex. Not well. You know, there's so many things I don't like talking about. Um, it's been a while. You know, I'm still. I haven't been able to get. Uh, I haven't been able to arrange a time. Yeah. To have a podcast with Dan in the last couple of weeks. That can be tricky sometimes. It's really tricky. and uh, He's pretty and busy. It's been a little frustrating. <laughs> and I have these boxes keep stacking up. I've got a lot oh, of Oh, and that's the whole here. point. That's the MacGuffin. That's the Greek perspective is that you, you can't open those until uh, you're on his program. But I feel, but I, I don't feel that way. I feel like I've, I've got to get, I've got to get, I've got to start working through this mail, but I don't, I don't, uh. Well, look, 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 here's the thing. I have, I, have, uh, I have three things we have to talk about today. We, we already talked about Frank Sinatra, so that's settled. Yeah. Okay, good. We've we got to get an update on Check. your GMCRV, and we have to pimp our show at Sketchfest. But uh, we, that leaves us ample time for you to open a box. Oh, thanks, Merlin. That's fantastic. Well, that you know, makes- I know how it is. You don't want to get loaded up. You've got to spend a penny. If you, if you want, go ahead and open a box. That's right. Take a penny, leave a penny. Take a penny, leave a penny. Uh, okay, let's talk about our show at Sketchfest, because I'm very excited about it. It's only, what, our... Fourth live Roderick on the Line show. Are you going to count the one where you yelled at the people? Well, remember that? Remember how loud that room was? Oh, people, did I yell, did I yell at them and tell them oh, to shut it up? It was very distracting. Remember, we we've had we've had mixed success with live shows. Oh, right, the first one ever when we were in the when we were in the terrarium. We were by a stuffed had, ape. Like, deer, maybe it was maybe it was a dick dick. I'm not sure. We were by some kind of a stuffed animal. Yeah, and then uh, people were having party drinks in the back of the room and uh, shucking oh. jive and playing grab ass. That's right. We had a very attentive audience sitting in chairs, and then in the back, it was like a meet and greet for some software dingalings. Oh, yeah. It was like, hey, you guys shut up back there. Yeah. And then the whole room erupted. They, they were not. They were not that receptive to your message. Well, those guys weren't. But you know, they're they they're not listening to anybody, right? They're there's the young not, geniuses. There's not. Hmm, there's not that many venues in San Francisco where you can perform in a room with live penguins. 
So that's well, that's a nice thing about that room. People are there to see the penguins. Let's be honest. I feel like we could maybe we could be the ones that change that. Yeah. Uh, live uh, penguins, live penguins in every venue in San Francisco. Greek perspective. We're going to be at Sketchfest uh, this week, uh, this Friday, in four days from now. This will come out uh, today is Monday. This will come out later today. Uh, there's not really any really particularly good URL that I can give to you for this. I made a URL for this that is uh, kind of inscrutable. Hmm. Uh, it, yeah, uh, so you could go you're to kind I, of a maker. You're, I'm, a, I'm a maker. I'm a maker bot. You can go to i zero.us slash rotl sfsf 16, but I don't recommend it. Uh, you, can, you can search for Roderick on the lines, Sketchfest. Just so you know, iOS will probably, uh, three times for me today, it has auto corrected Sketchfest to sketchiest three times today. So, you know, buyer beware. But um, uh, Friday, January 8th, 7.30 p.m. to 9 p.m., John and I will be appearing to do live Roderick on the line at a wonderful venue that I really like a lot called the Swedish American Hall. I love that place, too. Have you been in there? Oh, yeah. Well, we used to obviously play underneath it. You you play Cafe du Nord. Yeah. Played du Nord a thousand times. But (laughs) I went up, I saw, uh, I saw, let's see, a couple of bands up in the Swedish American portion, including... um, Including like an acoustic spoon. Acoustic so spoon, spoon, I would love that. Spoon up there playing acoustic. It was, it was, it was great. I love that drummer, man. His name Jimmy. He's Gimino. a very nice guy. Oh, he's a nice. He seems like a nice guy. He's a he's, very good drummer. He's a very good drummer and a very very nice guy. I think he's he's our, he's our generation's Ringo. I'm gonna say nicest guy in Spoon. Nice. Oh, that doesn't seem too hard. Right. <laughs> you got the you got the other guy, right? What's this guy over here? Uh, where's the soup? We got no soup. Um, so yes, I'm very excited about it because last year at the, the second sketch, sketch fest we did, I had a wonderful, wonderful time at that show. That was really nice. They gave me bourbon and, uh, and uh, remember when we met that lady who wanted to meet you and we took her away from her husband and brought her upstairs. Oh, wasn't that wonderful? That, that was sounded so much worse moment. than it was. That really sounded terrible when I put it that way. No, but it was a it was a wonderful time. We it had was a nice. nice chat. We had a nice chat. I'm looking at a photo of it here on the page. You can see us holding microphones, and it was green. <laughs> very dynamic. It was very photo Italian. It was very Italian. The one thing I regret from that show is that someone made a whole stack of oh, uh, here we go, five cards. Oh, poor John. You think <laughs> about stuff. You you remember stuff you did. Yeah. Well, she so she made this whole stack of these things that uh, that I. From what I can tell, all had each three by five card had a reference to something from the program, or or uh, you know, like some, an extrapolation from from that. And she had placed them carefully at the front of the stage. I think she'd gotten other people to fill them out too. I think that's true. I think she crowdsourced they were, it. They were in different handwriting, and she intended it as <clears throat> as a nice gift, or maybe you know uh, something that we would either treasure or utilize. And I walked on the stage and I saw this thing and I, I recognized it as some kind of <clears throat> some sort of offering. But I assumed immediately that it was an attempt to usurp uh what we were gonna do. Yeah. By uh by you know, by uh, uh asserting some sort of fan ownership over over us or the show. And so I uh naturally I, naturally so, you assume that. So I kicked the uh pile of cards into the audience and it was a it was just, or did I kick it or did I pick it up and throw it? I think you flung it. I, as part oh, of you we described this we talked about this in an episode. Okay. You like to come out and own the stage, you complain about things, you move chairs around, that's you right. you berate the staff because right. that's part of your that's part of your uh, prep. 
Yeah, I come out, I say, the lights are terrible, and the, these aren't where the chairs belong, and you know, you move it around, and I'm like, what the hell is this stack of cards? I picked it up, I guess, and I thrown it. Like Dan it. Harmon, well, you're, you're, that room was made for you. Yeah, but then later, I, later I saw the, the young woman picking up the cards oh, with a kind of brokenhearted look on her face. Oh, I was so, I felt like I was such a villain. Would you recognize her if you saw her again? Hmm, I, think I, I think I might. I mean, maybe if her face wasn't so pained. The next time I saw her, that maybe I wouldn't recognize. Maybe well, I, I think to... it's very unlikely that she will come to the show this year. But if she were to come mm. to the SF Sketch Fest performance of Roderick on the Line mm-hmm. at the Swedish American Hall Friday, January eighth, from seven thirty to nine p.m. in San Francisco, California. Now, now, in San Francisco, that? California, I should say that uh, it's in it's in a great area. It's accessible by Muni. It's pretty That's safe. Right. It's near a Safeway. Um, and uh, I don't see now. If we knew her name, we could put her on the list. Right. See, that, free, that'd be a we nice can't thing. just say look for a lady with a pain. Look on her face because that's most of our fans. Well, and the thing is, now that you've said that, there, we're going to get uh, like eleven people that's like, "I'm the lady." We'll have them fight. We'll have them fight shirtless with sticks. <laughs> that neighborhood didn't used to be good. That gas station on the corner. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's some pretty. You get a lot of people. That's a very interesting area because it's kind of it's on the edge of the Castro and uh, kind of kind of getting near Dubose Triangle a little bit. It's a, it's, but, yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. They get, the Walgreens is way nicer now. You know, I love that you decide the quality of an area by how nice their Walgreens is. I don't is. decide anything. I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm an observer of these Oh, right, things. okay, that's right. I'm sorry. Here's what I'm going to say, though. Uh, we haven't worked this out ahead of time, but first of all, anybody who hasn't come, please come. Please sell the place out. Otherwise, it won't be as funny. Um, but if that lady does come there and approaches us, uh, I, I won't say that you'll apologize. I will apologize to her, and we'll try to do something nice for her. Yeah, it will be very hard for me to apologize. Of course, it would. It's yes. not part of my brand, but you could do you could do a big city apology. <laughs> but, but listen, I've already. <laughs> I'm talked sorry about you it. were upset. <laughs> I've already talked about it on two programs, which is my way. I mean, that's worth like a well, shit. What is that worth? I mean, you apologize talk- via sleepless nights. I, I say, I say that's probably <laughs> worth four grand. Four grand worth of $4, apology. Four thousand dollars. Yeah, just by just by referring to it and saying that I've been fretting about it for a year. This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by pointing your web browser to squarespace.com. Very happy new year to our friends at Squarespace. You know, I've been a huge fan and an evangelist of Squarespace for over five years now. I love this thing to death. I use it for so much of my own stuff. It's not only the place that I use for hosting a lot of my sites and yes, podcasts, including this one. It is also the first place that I recommend to anyone who is wanting to do the same. It's so easy. It's so gorgeous. So fun to use. Squarespace sites are professionally designed masterpieces. They look great right out of the box. Regardless of your skill level, they offer intuitive and easy-to-use tools to take all the pain out of getting your stuff up. Isn't that ultimately what you want to do? Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site that ensures security and stability. Even if you get a link from an internet personality like John Roderick, Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected companies in the world. But today, I want to remind you that Squarespace also offers some amazing e-commerce functionality. So with Squarespace, you can design a best-in-class online storefront with award-winning templates, customizable settings, shoppable lookbooks, and more, all without a single plugin. Your store looks gorgeous on mobile. Managing orders is painless, and they even help you determine shipping rates and generate labels. It's all in one place. The nutty part of all this is that Squarespace plans start at a very reasonable $8 per month. That price even includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which you should totally do. Please check these folks out and do tell your friends about it. You can start your free trial today with no credit card required by visiting 
squarespace.com. And please remember, tell them you heard about it here. Because when you decide to sign up for Squarespace and you use that special offer code SUPERTRAIN, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Nothing wrong with that. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. Squarespace, build it beautiful. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, uh, let's close this up uh, by saying, please, uh, SF Sketchiest, uh, please please come out to Sketchiest <laughs> at uh, the Swedish American Hall. It's on Market Street. Where is it? What's the exact address? Everybody knows where this is. It's on yeah. 20, 2174 Market Street. Right in the middle. Uh, it's it's kind of in the middle. They, it's not exactly the Castro. It's kind of the Castro. Yeah, yeah. it's the Castro. It's the Castro. Fringe. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's, a, it's a great place, and we'll be there uh, doing Yuck It Up comedy. Uh, also, I guess I'm doing a thing with Thrilling Adventure Hour, and a very interesting thing I learned. Oh, are they yesterday. doing a thrilling adventure? Are they still doing that? I thought they quit doing that. Well, you know, it's one of those things where they quit doing it and then they keep doing it. He's, he can't be stopped. They write a lot of material. Yeah, for that team Acker and Blacker. Ben, Ben's compulsive, and uh, when it's he used, to, he used fest, to listen to our show. Did you know that? Who Ben? Yeah, Ben or the other Ben? The other Ben, the the, oh. the, the, the big Ben. Oh, big Ben. Uh, yeah, a lot of people listen to our show. A lot of people used to listen to our show. <laughs> I'm always surprised. <laughs> when I find out people that used to listen to the show. No, the number of people that continue to listen to our show. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think we're expanding into the billionaire class. Uh, I, you know. Hmm. We keep Actually, mentioning them, and I, now I feel like they've got a, yeah. they're putting it, they're putting us uh, over the overhead speakers there at Facebook now. I'm just going to say this, and then I don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to say this. All right. I keep noticing, and, uh. We have a large trans audience. Is that right? Um, yeah, and maybe just because I notice it more, but uh, I that makes me uh, feel good. I like that. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't know why. I mean, it's just a cool thing, and that's just seeing more trans people. It makes me happy. Oh. Um, right now, uh, twenty-one seventy-four Market Street. It's fifty-one degrees, mostly cloudy. It feels like fifty-one degrees. It's much nicer in San Francisco today than it is in Seattle, or much warmer. Had some scattered light rain this morning. Um, does your mom know about Forecast.io? She's, oh, a, she's a weather person, right? Oh, yeah. She follows the weather like uh, like nobody's business. Forecast.io is really cool, though, because it uses this thing uses this thing called Dark Sky, where it can actually tell you when it's gonna like when it's about to start raining and when it's going to stop. It's Dark really Sky cool. is one of my favorite Grateful Dead songs. That was their biggest hit. Biggest yep. hit. At the boop, it was called Boop Boop Adoo, 1987. They had the skeletons in the video. Very end of their career, or, or the so the trailing off of their career. Biggest, ah, the biggest started hit. started their shitty career. So <laughs> come on out to SF Sketchiest. It's uh, yeah. it's gonna be you. You know, you pile on so much, and I, I give you the Grateful Dead. I do. I say nothing. You sit there on the internet and you say terrible things about bands, and uh-huh. then I don't say anything. I know. I'm silent. I, know. I just favorite AC Newman's <laughs> tweets, and I say nothing to you. <laughs> I know. The thing is. A lot of people think that I'm trolling when I go online and I say there's nothing good about the Smiths. You? But I I am trolling, first of all. But yeah. I, and I'm trolling just with the biggest, like most delighted smile on my face. Yeah. But uh but I'm but it's also one hundred percent true. John doesn't know what he's talking about. John doesn't know la la la. The thing about Morrissey is he only ever learned five notes. Mm. And he utilized them in every melody of every song. I wish for his entire I could career. contradict that, but it's kind of true. He kind of does a thing. He kind of does a thing where he sings a couple notes. Yeah. La la la. I bet you know, every time you go after the Smiths, I imagine you are secretly or not secretly just trying to needle Sean Nelson. 
Well, Colin Malloy, too. Really oh, trying to. Of course, the Barry Smith's boy. Yeah, because that Colin also, you know, <laughs> a lot of his melodies are within a range, a, a pretty narrow range. But he, Colin's melodies I like. I think his. I think he, I, Extruded I, violin <laughs> columnar. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to pull I'm trying to pull the the uh, pigtails of a mm. lot of uh, these. Uh, <laughs> ow, 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 ow! Quit it! And and I and I roped uh, I roped AC Newman in, and he was uh, he was really mad. He's back. Yeah, hello. He's, back. He's changing his water filters. But um, I but but I do feel I do feel the thing is my sister listened to Duran Duran and the Smiths. Uh, uh, compulsively during that era. Oh, so you're obligated to not like them. Well, no, but here's the thing. I heard that music through the wall uh, in equal portions, probably a little bit more Duran Duran, but sure. tons and tons of Smiths. That's pretty cool. Well. No, I mean, it, I mean, because if she's listening to Duran Duran, it probably wasn't later than 1986. No, no, no. It was very early. It was so she was into the Smiths when they were still kind of uh, obscure. Oh, for sure, because she was one of those... She was one of those... Almost famous type of children who uh, was working at the coolest record store in Anchorage when she was like 13. Oh, man. And she had just, she waltzed in there and with that, with that confidence that she has. And she was like, I'm working here now. And the rest of the staff, who were all in their 20s, adopted her. And suddenly she'd gone from this girl that was playing soccer in knee high, stripy socks to mm. being somebody who had platinum hair with a, and was wearing vintage uh, thrift store dresses and working in the coolest record store in town. I was like, who the hell is this She's so child? cool. Do you, do, you have, do you ever see any of your sister and your daughter? I, I feel like I see, they got a lot of moxie. Both yeah, of they do. They have a ton. They, they have somewhat similar kinds of moxie. A ton of moxie. And one of the things that very much surprises me, when, when, uh, when my kid was born, I was like, oh, my sister is going to try and corrupt her constantly. She's going to be over here t teaching her hip-hop uh, terminology. And... Uh, <laughs> Encouraging her to like become a skater, and what it turned out is my sister is one of the one of the chief disciplinarians in my daughter's life. She just my sister just brooks no monkey business. Wow, and um, and so they have all these sort of you know they have a close relationship and they have all these little tete a tetes where where Susan is like, listen, you can't do that. You can't get away with that here. That's so great. You sit up straight in your chair, this type of thing. And, and, and does, like, she, does she listen? Oh, absolutely. Uh, because wow. it's coming from Susan, which is like, you know, she's she's just enough out, uh, outside the, the core machine that she can have, she has the, the greater impact. But, you know, I always had this fear that, that Susan would be there like, you know, skater boys are the cutest boys. Right, right. You and never know. Just seeding, just just sowing the seed of just uh, I wish future I could, chaos. I wish I could collaborate more with the people who are slightly outside the core because mm. they have the hugest impact. They do. My they brother in law do. and sister in law. You know, like my my daughter adores them, and uh, and and like they're so influential on her. Like they'll. My daughter, my my daughter, who only eats a couple things at home, will try almost anything if Auntie Susie makes it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, and you know, and then she gets to watch, you know, movies with the F word in it and stuff. And like, she gets to be grown up there. And you know, it's like, ah, I wish I, I wish I could seed them certain ideas. Like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we brushed our teeth without, you know, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> hey, thumbs up, skater boy. <laughs> hey, you, guy, you put your retainers in. That's awesome. Radical. Shaka oh, bra. Shaka bra. <laughs> <Chaka> <laughs> Yeah, I feel Preach like if, bra. I, if I lived in San Francisco, I would be one of the people slightly outside of your core that had an enormous influence on your daughter. Oh, man. But unfortunately, I live far enough away that every time I come, it's like, Uncle John is here. 
Oh, like hide all the breakable things. Oh no. Well, she loved she loved the RV. Uh, she thought it smelled kind of funny. Well, it does. But which she thinks everything smells funny. But uh, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. She thought it smelled funny, but she really liked it. She really wants. Oh, I forgot to say we're getting a cat. What? Yeah, we should probably talk about that at some point. Oh we're God. adopting a cat. Well, so so the reason the RV smells funny is that I routed the exhaust through the cabin. Uh, oh, for for performance issues. Yeah, just that's right. It just seemed like a sure. tailpipe was superfluous to my needs. Oh yeah, and you, uh, got, you got open carry laws. You know, you have all kinds. You shouldn't have an open beverage. You know, and you get a little bit of a uh, little bit of the uh, exhaust in there. It calms you down. Calms you down. That's right. Shh. <laughs> You're not going to make it over the mountains, but shh. It's okay. It's all right. You're getting a cat. Yeah. That seems. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen you uh, to have a pet. That's, you know, that's very interesting. Uh, I think in life, well, in life, it's important to look at patterns of what people show interest in before you try to push them into things. This mm -hmm. is why I've never been a huge fan, nothing against the Girl Scouts, except it's not an organization I love. Um, like, we, we kind of pushed her into Girl Scouts without any, she never had any interest in any Girl Scout things, and she so, hated so it. A, so a little bit against the Girl Scouts. Yeah, I think, you, said, I think you said nothing against the Girl that, Scouts. Well, of course I did. That's what you do. It's the internet. A little bit against the Girl Scouts. <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> They're the worst. They're the worst. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the worst. Oh, you got a patch for selling cookies. That's pretty weird. Oh, that's, that's um, weird. But in this case, she really, really, really has wanted a pet. Yeah. And I, I have been pretty adamant about this, that, you know, this is not a toy. Like, all the toys that you open and play with for a minute and put away – because, you know, the fun is opening, not actually caring for and enjoying and collecting. Yeah. That ain't going to work with an animal. You know, no. setting aside, you know, all of the money that it takes to have a pet that I, I'm not sure how many people account for until it's too late. You know, you're expected to have surgeries for your animals nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I about know. this, right? No, you spend $60,000 keeping some dumb 14-year-old cat alive. <sighs> what an it's asshole. It's like, you know what? Just right die. In, <laughs> right into the Soylent Green machine. We won't even notice the fur. I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, I don't know, there's certain kinds of things I don't need. And one of them is a cat that lives for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> a cat that's blind and smells bad and it, right. skin and bones and is just like... <laughs> <laughs> I had friends who loved their pets so much. I had a friend who had this incredibly senile, angry, blind, deaf, incontinent dog. And, <laughs> and this dog would just walk around the house periodically barking at nothing, bump into something and shit. Yeah, blind. And, yeah, blind. Yeah. <laughs> it would just go, half, 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 half. I dated a girl who decided in her infinite wisdom... Uh, that the additional dog that she needed in, addi in addition to her Shih Tzu was a Great Dane. Oh, she, come, see, that's, uh, that's like buying a bunny at Easter. Like, do you know what you're in for with a Great Dane? So she bought, she got. That's she, not a beginner dog. She rescued a Great Dane who was, I think, already nine, which is already two years older than any Great Dane should live. <laughs> and uh, she, And this dog was lovely. I mean, just a delightful creature. One of one, a God shined upon this dog. Uh, I really liked the dog, but uh, she let the dog sleep in her bed, uh, uh, and the dog weighed four hundred pounds. It was the size <laughs> of a horse. No, they are. They're they're. And no, no I, I, every Great Dane I have met personally was great and calm. But I mean, I, my sense is that. I mean, obviously, this is true for things like police dogs or <clears throat> guard dogs, but there are certain kinds of dogs that, like, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I like that dog from Frasier. 
But like if you if you get one of those oh, right, one of those right. little Scotty Jack Russell Dunn. Terriers, yeah. like man, they are they are there's pugs. Pugs are super sweet, but they want all the attention all the time. Or an Australian Shepherd. I mean, you they will they, herd everything. The only reason to have an Australian Shepherd is if you have a sheep problem, or or like a uh, like a Border Collie. Like they yeah. will herd your coffee table. They can't yeah, stop. Yeah. I do personally have a sheep problem. Oh, is that uh, right? You but, got an infestation? Yeah, but I still don't need a. I still don't need one of those. I just I, I call them with a helicopter. <laughs> <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Braintree, code for easy online payments. To learn more right now, please visit braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. If you're a mobile app developer, and I know many of you are, you're in the app class, please go and check out Braintree. Braintree is the payments solution that's used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical. And now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. And Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is helping solve the problem of mobile card abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience. You have to see this for yourself. Basically, you just drop in a few lines of code and you're good to go. That means a full-stack payment solution support for all payment types that your customers might want. You can accept PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, credit cards, and more, all with that single integration across all platforms. With superior fraud protection, customer service, and you know it, buddy, fast payouts. To learn more right now and to get your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, please go to braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. John and I want to send our New Year's thanks to Braintree for taking the pain out of mobile payments and for supporting Roderick on the line. <laughs> but here's <laughs> the thing about that Great Dane is that she uh, she let the Great Dane sleep in her bed, and then the Great Dane started to shit the bed. Oh, God. And now Dane, she, but she's already made it okay to be there. That's right. So she's cleaning up Great Dane shit, what, which, I mean, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen a Great Dane take a shit. Copious. But, it, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like shitting out a printing press. Made of, made of poop. <laughs> oh, God. It's like a 3D printer for feces. Yeah. And, and she went and she was just like, oh, you know, and she'd spend the whole day cleaning it up. And then <laughs> and then he'd climb in bed with her at night and it would all happen again. And I was just like. But he, what, a, what a ding-a-ling. He's sleeping there. Doesn't he, know, doesn't he know from pooping in bed? I think that he's just so old that he doesn't know. He just he does It's not under his power. And loose, I was like, bowels. listen, this, uh, this great Dan could feed a family of four for a month. <laughs> Just send him to the hamburger machine. And she was just like, you, there's a reason you're not my boyfriend anymore. You are a monster. Here, okay, so here's, here's a little life hack. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I mean, I know that you are generally receptive to my life hacks, but this is a major one. Oh, I love life hacks. I uh, went to a Christmas party that's thrown by my, uh, my good friend Cal. And last year at the Christmas party, he had a camel and a donkey. And the kids all get camel rides. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's kid-friendly? Yeah, and or right. donkey. It's not, not a classic donkey show. Not a classic. No, it's not a, it's not a Tijuana donkey show. It's a happy donkey <laughs> show. And uh, the kids all wait. And they line up. The guy that owns the camel and donkey is a great kind of uh, rancher type guy. And uh, all the kids ride the, the donkey and the camel while the adults get drunk and eat chili. Wow. It's a fan, it's an it's a Christmas Eve party that he has every year, and it's a fantastic something party. for everybody. Yeah, that's right. Get drunk, eat chili, 
uh, and forget about the kids because they are all patiently waiting in line to ride a camel. Even the terrible kids are willing to wait in line to ride a camel. But in the, in the intervening year, the camel died. And so everybody's going to Cal's Christmas party. I, expecting- bet, I bet there are not a lot of camels available. You can't just – You don't just go replace a camel. I don't think you go to Pets, PetSmart right. and get a camel. Uh, so, the, so the camel's not going to be there, and we're all like, what's going to happen? I mean, the donkey is great. He's a super nice donkey, but that's going to put a, it's going to put extra pressure on the donkey. <laughs> right, right. And, yeah. uh, and also, you know, the goal of the, of the pets is to distract the kids so the adults can get drunk and eat chili. Yeah. So the rancher shows up this year. <clears throat> He's got the donkey. He also brought two wallabies and a cavey. What, what is that? Well, so this is the life hack. So a cavey is a giant uh, guinea pig. Oh. A, a, a cavey is a giant guinea pig that looks like you crossed a guinea pig with a deer. Oh. So huh. it's... How, how do you spell that? C-A-V-Y. Oh. So, so I get there and I'm interacting... <gasps> oh, my God. It looks like a jackrabbit guinea pig wallaby. Yeah, that's right. All right. So I'm interacting. Oh, that is with the, really cute and weird. With the wallabies at first, because you know they're cute and they they're recognizable, and I'm looking over at this cavey, which is big. It's the size of a dog, but it's a guinea pig, deer, jackrabbit, and I'm like, that's it. What is that little creature? So, <clears throat> so I, the wallabies are kind of you know skittish, and you can pet them for a little bit, but they then they do that weird uh, little hop walk that kangaroos and wallabies do they kind of yeah, just like, like, yeah, like we're done here Balork, and then they're somewhere else and so i go over and i start and nobody's paying any attention to the cavey like the kids are all thinking about the wallabies but i'm looking at this guy and he's just <laughs> in a, photos they look kind of anxious well they do they look a little poised right poised to to flee they, they definitely look like prey yeah but this guy was in was incredibly chill like so chill and so I'm, I start petting him, and he responds very well to being petted, and we just get this symbiosis going so, so that I step into the enclosure, and then I'm like, don't ever take this cavey away from me. Aww. This cavey is a very good friend. So I go over to the – eventually when, when the cavey is like communicating to me like, let's take a break. <clears throat> I get out of there, and I go over and talk to the rancher guy, and I'm like, what's up with this cavey? And he's like, oh, my God, they're amazing. We bottle fed that one. Wow. And it lives in the house. That's crazy. Like, lives in the house. He's like, yeah, it's like a cuddly uh, little pal. Um, he said, don't put them outside because they can dig out of anything. You can, they can dig 14 feet down, go under a fence. Oh, wow. They can dig under a pipeline. They're foragers. Uh, right. They're, you know, veg, vegetarians mm-hmm. anyway. And I was like, so I said, so I said, so you're telling me that a cavey, you can get a cavey and you can keep it as a pet. And he's like, oh yeah, they're like, uh, they're like hoppy cats. It's a, it's a cat that hops. Wow. And I said, that's the pet for me. A oh, cavey, a short tailed, <laughs> this is a new project, a short tailed, rough haired South American rodent. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm taking this medication still. Yeah, sure. And, and I don't think I've made a bad decision since. <laughs> and I feel like KV, a KV, a pet KV, yeah, is a way to get into the pet game, but without all the cat 
uh, you know, cat is just a. I mean, think about it now that I say the word cat. Before, yeah. before you heard about about a KV, you said the word cat, and we were both like, "Oh, cat, sure." But now, post KV, the Patagonian like, Mara, it's also known as it's uh, since you got it in South America, and it is really freaky but cool looking. It's very cool, and they're very very soft. Ah, oh, soft KV, a little soft KV that wants to kind of curl up with you on the couch. Oh, and they're monogamous. That's nice. Oh, that's right. They mate for life. Like swans. Like swans. It's like basically the swan of guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the fourth, fourth. It looks like a different animal from every angle. Yeah. It's the fourth largest rodent in the world. Now that makes me. Well, what's a capybara? Is that a rodent? Capybara is also sort of a, a, a rodent. Capybara. Oh, I'm not sure if a capybara would be a good pet, though. No, I've seen this at the zoo, and man, they are pretty freaky looking. Look at that. It looks prehistoric. But a KV, now what's involved in KV ownership? Have you been look, Have you looked into this? Have you gotten onto the uh, Usenet and online forums to find out about this? No, you know, that's not my tendency. No. Uh, my tendency is just to go get a <laughs> you KV. just write a check for $8,000. <laughs> and, and then and then once I have a KV, I will learn, I will learn the hard way uh, for myself all the, all the things. I mean, if a KV wants to dig under a pipeline to escape, I wonder how they are with your upholstery. All right. The capybara. You should get a try on. Maybe you should just rent one for a weekend. See how it goes. That's a good idea. The thing is, I just like your daughter. Part of the thrill is unwrapping the baby KV. Yeah, sure. Bottle feeding them until they bond with you and feel like I don't want to dig out of here. I want to dig you. I bet your kid. Was your kid at that party? Did she get to meet the KV? She did, but she was more interested in the donkey, mm. and, and that's understandable sure. because you can't ride a KV. Donkeys are such an interesting size. If they were much bigger or much smaller, they wouldn't be as interesting. They're a very interesting size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I see donkeys like at that, the, well, we have a kind of a petting. We have a petting zoo, but then it has like a pen around it of stuff that you can just mostly look at. And the donkeys are always very interesting looking to me. Yeah, yeah, to me too. They're you know, and they're very hardy. Yes, you can you can go you can go down into the Grand Canyon with them. Yeah. Uh, did you know a capybara can, ra- can weigh 100 pounds and grow to be four feet long? Is that right? 100 pounds. That's it's, as big as a great bigger, It's bigger than you'd think. And wasn't capy- was that one of those ones they thought was extinct, but then they found him again? Yeah. Oh, look at that. They got rock. Oh, oh, you should look at this, John. Rock caveys. <gasps> rock caveys are so cute. Let me see. What's look at rock caveys. You can find them in Brazil, and they are very furry looking. Rock Cavey. These look more like more prairie dogs. Oh, look at the rock cavies. I what man, you could be friend. such a great super genius supervillain sitting in a chair petting one of those. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. You got you got a rodent that mates for life. So you get a mom and pop rock cavy yep. and they sit in your lap and you pet them whilst explaining to James Bond how you're going to uh, you're going to take him limb from limb. Huh. Some pedophilic behavior has also been displayed with adult males courting juvenile males. So they groom the rock cavies. Oh. It's been observed. I think this is a great idea. I think you need a project. Well, no, but I'm, I'm suggesting this. I mean, think about this. What if you and I both had rock cavies? Then that, that's oh, like... Oh, and they were like friends? Well, and, and it's sort of like super genius, uh, super, super spooky genius action at a distance. <laughs> look, at your, uh, look at your phone. Look at the photos I sent. Oh, all right. And you get an idea of what we're in for here. Look at this thing. You, oh, you've already picked out a cat? Oh, no, no. We're, oh, you're we're talking in, about Rock KV now. Oh, no, no. It's a known cat. It's a, it's a great setup all the way around. It's a known great cat. You see that? Um, let's see here. 
It looks it looks kind of like uh, something you dust with. You go to war with the cat that you have, not the cat that you. That's want. right. That Donald Rumsfeld on cats. Uh, oh my goodness! This cat is absolutely like a swifter, uh, or, or or that thing my mom uses to take dust off the top of a lamp. Yeah, cat. It's a it's a it's a Persian cat with a little smashy face, and it just sits in your lap and you pet it. Oh, it's a smashy face cat. See, th- these people have three or four cats, and they have one cat that they refer to as the bad cat. The name of the cat is Bad Cat. And bad cat is mean to this cat, and so this cat needs a place to live. It's the sweetest um, cat in the world, and uh, so we're getting a cat next month. Oh, you can see that it's a sweet cat because it's kind of hunkered down like it's afraid an eagle is going to grab it. Yeah, <laughs> it's got that look. Yeah, of just like, please look don't, at that let, face, an, though. Look don't at that, let an eagle see Look me. at that face. You see that I face? Do, I do see Isn't that Isn't that a sweet face? face? It's a very nice face. I mean, it has that, it has that quality that small dogs have where you're not sure whether the the the... the <laughs> Weepy eyes are causing the discoloration in the yeah, face. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Whether you know, the, you know the thing about little dogs where it's like, no, you, I know, are, like poodles. Poodles get those brown tear tear spaces. Yeah. Like, are you sweating or <laughs> or are your eyes? Do your eyes have extra matter? I don't it, know why that happens. It's leaking poodles, out. Poodles, brown eyes. Yeah, I, but, I find I find it kind of off putting. Oh, they call it a poodle eye tear stains. <laughs> Poodle eye tear stains. <laughs> they were great. Do you remember them? <laughs> they, I loved them. They were a, a Smith's <laughs> cover band. <laughs> Poodle eye tear stains. Poodle eye tear stains. <laughs> or uh, or pets. Pets for short. <clears throat> uh, yeah, pets. Pets for short. Uh, this is a common and troubling issue <laughs> in which the hairs around the dog's eyes become discolored. Ugh. Yeah. Causes Ugh. it. It can have be in one or both eyes. Poodle what eye causes tear, it? Poodle eye tear stains. What causes the tear? What causes tear staining? Uh, tear stains develop over time, and there are several reasons why this occurs. This is yeah. great writing. For yeah, some poodles, more than one of the causes will be at the root of the co- problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on, Wikipedia writer. <laughs> no, this, this is on. This is on allpoodleinfo.com. Oh, even better, even better. So <laughs> completely unedited. It could be. It could be a red yeast infection. Could be a tear duct issue. An ear infection. Could be teething. Uh, do stuff with the water. It could be artificial coloring in food. Oh, I don't want any of that explanation. No. I want one explanation for uh, for pets. Yeah. Poodle eye tear staining is a result of poodles uh, having bad dreams. I think Strunk and White would tell you that's muscular writing. Bad. That's right. Yeah. Uh, poodle, eye, poodle eye tear staining is a result of bad dreams in poodles. Omit needless words. Um. So anyway, that's happening. Uh, do you have any updates on the RV? You still you still pondering? You still got time? You're not. You're, well, I'm sorry. You're in the mode where you're not thinking about it, right? No, I can't. I can't continue to be in the mode of not thinking about it because the man, the RV, the guy that is storing the RV is giving me the very, very friendly but firm voice when he talks to me on the phone, which is, yes, we agreed that you can keep it here until until February, but that is contingent on you. Getting it fixed here. On you moving forward. Yeah, he doesn't want, I mean, I'm guessing what he doesn't want to hear on January 31st is, oh, sorry, I'll come pick it up in a week or so. Right. And that, and that worries me because, you know, what I don't want is for him to suddenly say like, well, if you want it, then you have to pay me $100 a day for storage. Right. Um, and we, do, we have no agreement about that. And there's nothing, I don't think, keeping him from doing that. And in the, probably with the Reading cops or the Reading Sheriff's Office, it would be harder for me to negotiate with them than this guy who's like, I put a lien on the vehicle and now you have to come to the Reading courthouse Ugh. 15 times. So, uh, so, but I'm not accusing this guy of that in advance, but it just feels like he is saying, he sent me some paperwork the other day. He's like, well, fill out 
this application for a Napa uh, no-interest car repair loan, and we'll just get right on it. You can give me a $1,500 deposit tomorrow. He's, he's good. He's moving, right? And so... No, you can't blame him. I'm talking to other people on the, on the blacklist. It's already going to be very hard for me to go down there. And here's the crazy thing. The, the transmission was throwing chunks for sure, but it wasn't... I've, I've run a transmission out of a vehicle to the point where it wouldn't go into gear and wouldn't move because the transmission had disintegrated. Mm-hmm. This thing never stopped running under its own power. It was throwing smoke everywhere, but... There's a part of me that's like, yeah, everybody that looks at it says it needs a new transmission, and it surely does. But will this transmission get it to Seattle? Um, that is something that none of us have addressed. And if the thing was in Seattle, I could, I would have that six months of, uh, you know, of time to gear up. So this <clears throat> this figures into your decision making but it doesn't help with his need to get an answer. Yeah, and if I say to him, hey, what are the possibilities of me just making it home, limping it home? He's going to say, "He's it, that's going to change our relationship. Yep. Um, he, he wants you to come back with something decisive. He to, wants you to come back with, get started with work on this and I'll pay what it costs, or I'm coming to get it tonight. Right, right. And, you know, and the he doesn't, problem... He doesn't want to be, you know, a dad. I'm a long way away, and you know he's in he's in Reading, where you know the thing about about cathedrals. Uh, yeah, you can to be uh, you can have uh, yeah. Remind me what this is. I think you have to be in a city to have a cathedral. Oh, interesting. That's not what I was saying, but oh. yeah, that's, a, that's oh no. Inter- I thought you told me this. Uh, right, I do think you do have to be. Well, you have to be in a yeah township or a lordship or a uh, or a sailing ship to have a cathedral. Okay. But uh, no, what I was saying about cathedrals is the reason that cathedrals and, and old architecture is so beautiful is that it was built at a time when labor was cheap and material was expensive. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah. So you had these guys and it was like, well, this is this. It, it took a lot to get this stone here, but it didn't take a lot to get you, Italian stone carver. So uh, spend some time making this stone look pretty. Yeah. With your uh, little cherubims and your uh, gar- gar- gargoyles, mm-hmm. uh, and and now we have the problem of materials being cheap uh, because they're all made out of glue and wood shavings, right? But we have made labor very expensive, so it's like, oh well, we've got all this garbage lumber and garbage particle board, but uh, the the um, you know, the carpenters are getting paid $35 an hour, so let's just throw this thing up as fast as we can. Right. Well, in Redding, California, there's one thing I know, which is that property is cheap. Not super cheap. It's not like you can move to Redding anymore and just buy 40 acres right in the center of town and have a sheep problem. Yeah. But so this guy, if this RV was sitting at an RV place in downtown Seattle, they would be like, we need every square inch. Get your damn RV out of here by tomorrow. But in Reading, this guy could this guy could stack RVs for a year. Right. So, so in a way, he is creating a false sense of urgency because it's just like you know what, push that thing out to the back of the back forty and forget it's there. Yeah, I'm, I mean, but I'm he's he's been pretty cool. What you think? I do think he's been cool. I do think he's been cool. But yeah, I need a dad right now who's yeah. like, listen, son. 
just relax. Take the winter to think about it. Um, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to be able to tow it anywhere. I can't tow it to San Francisco I mean, or to Seattle. You've certainly thought of this, but is there any chance you could get a little help from the blacklist in the internet to find a place where you could store it for a couple months? And then it would just be down to getting it towed somewhere that's not costly. And whether that's him or somewhere else, you'd at least have a little bit of uh, leeway to think about this without all the pressure. Well, that's a good question, Merlin. And you know what? I'm going to get I'm going to get on the phone uh, this afternoon, you've just inspired You're making me. Making fun of me? No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, there's a guy. Let's just call him. Let's just call him what he is. He's sure. my. He his name is Greg Birch. He's a dentist. Oh yeah, Greg. He he emailed me. Yeah, Greg Birch, the dentist, who has uh, has a pretty famous family member. Uh, that's right. Who ha- whose uh, grandfather was the Birch, who was sort of like one of the head dudes at the GMC RV. How important was he, John? He was very important. He designed the uh, he designed an aftermarket screen door. He was so important. <sighs> He's that so the, important that that the twenty three inch, uh, or I'm sorry, twenty three foot version of the uh, GMC RV mm-hmm. is called is named after him. The Birchhaven. It's called the Birchhaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, the <clears throat> they made much fewer twenty three foot RVs than twenty six foot RVs, but one of them is named after the man Birchhaven. So Greg Birch, who uh, who lives up in northern uh, northwestern Washington, and has a thriving dental practice there, uh, he's been very helpful in my GMC RV Odyssey. Uh, he's a he's a young guy, the rare young GMC RV owner and dentist and dentist and legacy, and so he wrote me yesterday, texted me even, and he said, "Listen, I've been talking to Manny, and I think we might have a plan." So when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to call Greg Birch. He's going to he's probably going to leave uh, some patient in a chair with suction happening. He's going to be right back. Just uh, you know, just close and spit uh, and I'll be right back. And he's going to sit and walk around the dental office talking to me on the phone and saying, "Here's the plan I cooked up with Manny. I don't know what that plan is going to be." Manny is a little bit crazy. You know who he's talking about when he talks well, yeah. about Manny. So I met Manny. Now Manny is a guy who bought, who did buy 10 acres of land in uh, San Jose, California, back when you could buy 10 acres of land in San Jose for $15,000. Whoa. And his 10 acres is way up the hill to the east of San Jose and has a panoramic view of San Jose, California, which now, as you know, mm-hmm. is part of, the, uh, part of the Silicon Valley family of towns and he sits up there in his like in his um eagle's nest and works on gmc rvs and who knows if i lived up there i would shoot flaming crossbows down into crossbow bolts down into san jose every night uh but i don't think he does but he does have you know he's got this this very strange ranch campus up there is it a compound it's very it is a compound i would say it has a it has it has a gate you probably shouldn't say too much no 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 so he's up there and he's and he rebuilds gmc rv transmissions my impression is just for the fun of it wow um like a lot of these gmc rv people you ask them what they did and they're like oh i was a you know an aeronautical engineer and i was a test pilot for boeing and or whatever and now i re- now i restore uh these turbo 400 transmissions in my garage but you know 
I don't want anything. I don't want anything out of them. You know, I sell them for a thousand bucks just to cover my costs. It's like, huh, that's weird. I mean, have you even seen Downton Abbey? I mean, how? Why is this relaxing? But I, but it is. It's yeah. relaxing. For yeah. Me. So Manny, but you know, I went up to Manny's place, and the first thing Manny said was, "Ah, this RV is a piece of junk." Hmm. I was like, nine out of ten, nine out of ten old guys that I talked to about it said, "Oh, you got a good deal." But Manny says, "Ah, it's a piece of garbage," and I'm like, "Well, thanks, Manny. Um, why do you say that?" And then he walks me over to his GMC RV, which he had built with he had built it with pullouts with like slide outs in the style of a new RV. He gutted the interior and built it all. Oh, so this is that's his real like labor of love. Yeah, he's like one of these guys that wants to update the GMC RV to make it a space capsule. And I'm like, well, I want to, I want to keep it stock, like original to the seventies. And he got a look on his face. Like I had said, I want to fill it with fucking sheep dip <laughs> and I want to live inside of it naked and piss on myself. He was like, why the fuck would you want to keep it original? Like he was offended. Right. And I said, well, is this, is this a, is this a classic rift in the, in the blacklist community? I believe it is. And I think that most of them are older people who want their, GMC RVs to continue to be contemporary, okay. which means a lot of that weird RV upholstery that's like big flowers or like and and new furniture and new lighting. Yeah, sure. And I'm like, no, 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 man, it's vintage. I want it to look like somebody's rec room from 1974. Like I want to, I want to fucking have a, a shag carpet and a round bed. And they're just offended by it. They just feel like that's so. Gauche. So it's gauche and it's counter to their their aeronautical engineering background uh, because blah 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 blah. Yeah. And so anyway, so I know to feel I know to discount somewhat his feeling that my RV is junk because he looks at it and he's like, ah, it's like old. It's just it's a, it's stock. It hasn't been updated. But I but it did get inside my head. His comment. So that I'm walking around and I've discounted the nine out of ten dentists surveyed who feel like sugarless gum is their their recommendation for patients to chew gum, mm -hmm. and I've got this one dentist that's like, nah, fuck it, sugar gum. And so when I think about repairing the RV, I'm like, ah, oh, but maybe it's a piece of junk. Maybe Manny's right. So so maybe the uh, the other uh, four out of five dentists are being supportive mm -hmm. and or, being nice because that's how you roll when you're on the blacklist. Yeah, they're being nice or they're being just, you know, they're just, they're doing that old man mechanic thing where they're like, well, it's up to you. Uh-huh. You go, look, my RV's on fire. Should I put it out? And they're like, well, that's up to you. And you go, that's no. a personal decision. I'm like, no, give me some advice. You're the, you're, you've got 11 of these. Tell me what I should do. Well, you know, you can either save it or not. Well, looks like your car's on fire. It's like fuck <laughs> you. Give me a give me like a little piece of fatherly advice, right? And these are the same guys that that you know. That's exactly what they say to their sons too. They kick them out of the nest, and they're like, "Well, you better sink or swim." Hmm. Anyway, so that's the update, and uh, and I'm still you know I'm still uh, I'm I'm still pawing over it. I'm still thinking about what whether or not I got a lot of responses last week from people who. Listened to last week's podcast, expressed a lot of respect for our opinion or for our feelings about crowdsourcing, and then ultimately said, but you're nuts. Please accept our money. Please take my money or whatever it is that they say. Right. 
And so I'm still considering some version of that. Oh, 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 wait. Hmm. Wait, 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 wait. I have been setting up, Merlin, an eBay store. What? I've been setting up an eBay store. That's amazing. I know, right? I've never done this before. I'm setting up an eBay store. Wait, you're going to tell your stories. And I'm going to tell I'm going to tell some stories about some coats and pants and boots. Oh my god. And then I am going to I'm going to put those coats, pants and boots for sale up to the people and say, "Listen, here's a coat. Here's the story of it. Mm -hmm. Here's my opinion about this coat." Here are my feelings about it, basically. You're buying a story. It comes with a coat. <laughs> and uh, you can either bid on it or not. The, the, the starting, starting price is going to be zero or 99 cents or whatever. Like, it's, it's pure auction. No kind of reserve. And you can just go to town on it. Some of these items I've worn for years. Some of them are, are, are pieces that I've had in my, in my collection and worn periodically. Um. And I might even, uh, I might even uh, every once in a while sell one of my dad's shirts. This is very interesting, John. Because my dad's shirts don't actually fit me. And I've worn them for years and always kind of tugged at the collars. Sure. Tugged at the cuffs because they're just sort of an inch or a, even a half an inch too small in every direction. And so it's like ah, I'm gonna sit on these. I'm sit on these dad shirts until what? My daughter grows up and doesn't wear them. How, like, uh, how are you gonna do the fulfillment? Well, I'm making a commitment. Oh boy! That I'm going to <laughs> get in a cavey. I'm gonna get a cavey, and I'm going to actually mail these things to people. Um, you know, I'm not gonna put. I'm not gonna put 400 things up there at first. I'm just gonna put 20 things up baby, there. Baby steps. See what people think. See you should put at least one up there that's a real dinger, though. You should put up one that's going to be the one that everybody talks about and links to. Well, don't you think? Yeah. Don't you think you need one like marquee anchor item? Well, this is. The, I mean, there are so many, right? I uh, uh, like. I'm putting up my leather jacket that I bought in high school that I wore to Soundgarden's Bad Motorfingers. Just the one uh, with the liquid paper on it? That's got the liquid paper on it. <laughs> You're kidding. So, Soundgarden's uh, Bad Motorfingers uh, LP release party, both of them. There were two parties. I went to both. I've seen, you know, I've seen David Yao and his, uh, his spectacular band, the uh, David Yows. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, Jesus Lizard. The Jesus Lizard. Thank yeah. you. I've seen, uh, you know, I saw... Babes in Toyland. Is he really racist or pretend racist? No, I think he's pretend racist. Okay. I, I still that's, admire That's a bit... I never I could figure that bit. out. I think it might be a bit. I mean, you know, he takes his dick out on stage, or he did. Liquid paper. Um, you know, some of the liquid paper has been... Liquid uh, paper gets brittle over the years, John. Well, some of it has been painted over uh, with white paint pen, and then, some of, and then that felt like too much, so some of that was painted over with indelible black pen. You're a curator. So there's there's white on it, there's old white on it, there's, uh, there's uh, and then there's black... There's there's black on it. it. It this jacket has been through everything with me, but it just isn't it's just not gonna it's not gonna go all the way to my death. And partly it's because it's too big. The jacket's too big. It's always been too big. It's a forty eight wow. jacket that I got as a forty eight at the time because you I could fit two women in that. Yeah, I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna wear a bunch of big uh, Irish fisherman sweaters under my <laughs> black leather motorcycle jacket. And, you know, that ends up being 
yes, if I was gonna if I was gonna work on the deck of a cross uh, Pacific freighter, maybe I would need that much per- bulletproof protection. But I've never I've never taken that job. So anyway, so that is you know that's one that's one item that's going up there. Mm-hmm. But is that more is that more of a of a of a tent pole? item than like one of my dad's shirts that says Roderick on it on the on the tail where his dry cleaner wrote his name in in uh, black market. I don't know. You're gonna have to decide, but you need some kind of fish food. You need, you right. need uh, like it's like you know like any auction house would do. You need one really big item. We got you know here's Elizabeth Taylor's underpants, right? Right, 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 right. You need, you right. need some you need some Taylor pants. Hmm. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? You'll well, get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. But I I will continue to say as I've said to you off air because I love you. Just get the infrastructure right. That's the hardest part. So that's the thing. I'm I, you know I'm, this I'm, is why we haven't sold bells yet because the uh, the fulfillment you know the fulfillment. So that's I'm lining these things up. I'm ironing them. I'm taking photographs of them. And then my my sense is that I'm just gonna get those priority mail envelopes. And I'm going to put or, – or boxes, and I'm going to just put the stuff in the boxes and put little post-it notes on it that tells me what's in the box. This is the coat or this is the boots. Oh. And then they'll all be stacked there pre-boxed, and when they sell, I'll just – all I have to do is just write the name on it and then take it to the post office. There's you type no, up the story on a card? That would be kind of cool. Oh, wow. That's an extra step. That, that's, that's, well, yeah, but that's what you're selling. You're selling the story on a card. That's what makes it artisanal, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. you got to have small batch cards. Mm, type it up in a card. Maybe I'll use my cursive typewriter, which I, I hardly ever get a chance to do. Oh, I like a cursive typewriter. you got a cursive typewriter. But I think, I think if you found, some, especially if you had some old index cards and typed up a paragraph on the item, I think now you, you got yourself a stew. Well, you think I don't have a stack of old index cards? <laughs> You think I don't have? You can house train your KV on them. A shoebox full of index cards that are in a in a discontinued size. They used to they're make not, better cards. They're not three by five. They're three and a half by five and a half. Ooh, my goodness! <laughs> you can really stick out in the six. crowd. Yeah, yeah. The only uh, the only file cabinets that can that can hold them are all made of oak. Mm. So, what's your time frame on this? Well, so my eBay name is Morgan Rides Free, all one word. Morgan Rides Free. Okay. Because, because <laughs> my middle name is Morgan, mm-hmm. as you know, and uh, when I was a, a teenager and I was hopping freight trains, uh, I realized that all the hobos had little tags that they wrote on the trains to indicate that they oh, had ri- cool. written on the trains. And John Hodgman kind of blew this uh, up with his, you know, 500 hobo names. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, hobo names were things that they actually kind of scrawled or sometimes like scratched into the rust of uh, of of freight trains to you know to communicate with each other and to just say like Kilroy was here, right? Sure. And so I needed something like that, but I was you know seventeen and I was like a I was a dingaling and I was like, what do I? What's my hobo name? And I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't decide. The thing is. I feel like your hobo name is something that your fellow hobos bequeath to you or or uh, or bestow upon you. Oh, you don't choose a name, you earn it. I'm not sure. I av- I tried to the best I could avoid other hobos because it seemed like they were predators and I was just a boy. Oh, it's just that we're back to the Big Rock Candy Mountain now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Grooming. Uh, so I didn't want to be groomed. Mm-mm, you don't want to be groomed by a hobo. I do not. If I'm going to groomed get groomed by a hobo, I know, I know. <laughs> it's serious. <laughs> There's candy in the mountains. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Yeah, see, that 
if, if I heard that music on KIXI <laughs> and John Tesh told me it was from 1950, I would fucking believe it. I would be like, barf. <laughs> 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 I've got something in my throat. I'm about to choke. In any case, slam uh, run. So Mor- Morgan rides free. Ended so far, up- you're in, you got uh, good good feedback. Great buyer, prompt payment, valued customer, highly recommended. Yeah, see, there you go. Boom, boom, boom. boom well, boom, boom. So Morgan rides free was my hobo name, shortened, <laughs> shortened to Murph. Oh, oh, it's a uh, what's an anagram? Yeah, or uh, no, an acronym? Uh, acronym. Murph. Excellent it, to deal with. A plus. I think it should have probably been morph. Fast payer. Yeah. But like the comparative history of ideas always called it uh, called itself Chid. And it really should have been Chod. chod? Oh, Chod. chod. Or, or Chud. Chode. Chod. Chode. Mm-hmm. Probably Chod. Um, what, like the New Yorker? <laughs> have a diuresis <laughs> over it? Chode. Ch- Mr. Chode. 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 Um. <laughs> So, uh, so Murph was That's my so stupid. I know, That's the oat. stupidest joke in the history of stupid jokes. <laughs> Here we are. Oh I, my oh, god! I realized this the other day. <clears throat> Emily Nussbaum was writing a review of the Jennifer Jones television program, mm-hmm. and she referred to Jonathan Colton lyrics as though Jonathan Colton was a universally understood contemporary uh, music reference. She just played it off legit. She was just like, oh, that Jennifer Jones kind of reminds me of the lyrics to Jonathan Colton's uh, Mad Scientist story, Skull Crusher Mountain. Oh, well, of And course. then she, she quoted a long passage of his lyrics. And I read this thing, and she was making all kinds of references to the internet, uh, to like insider internet kind of talk, the, the whole uh, SJW. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Well, she's, she's keeping up. She's on the 4chan. And I'm I'm reading I'm reading this thing and I'm like who the fuck is the audience for this? It's like she's writing. It's like it's like she thinks that I am the am right up the middle of who the New Yorker readers are. Right. And then I got a cold chill and realized <gasps> you realized the call was coming from inside you. That's right. I <gasps> am. You the, are. The you're Mister. You're Mister. Chode. <laughs> the, the New Yorker is actually now. <laughs> Designed for it's us. It's for you. And, it's for you. And I was like, what? what's in the box? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's true. And so my whole life I have thought of the New Yorker reader as this person. Like an, who, like an old Tweety Fop. Yeah, who has a lot of pictures on the top of his piano. <laughs> and, not candelabras. Right? And maybe a, maybe a Tony Award Yeah, uh, like on a shelf somewhere. And he's sitting there absentmindedly tinkling on the piano and uh, and reading the New Yorker, and now I realize that no, your your right up the middle New Yorker reader is a guy with a GMC RV who's considering buying a KV. <laughs> Stop, <laughs> Mr. Joe. <Chuck. laughs> <clears throat>